Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Welcome into the podcast, gang. It's time for another edition of the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover and myself to talk about the top five beneficiary mistakes that you might accidentally be making causing your retirement plan some issues. And we're going to get into these. And some of these are pretty easy to fix. Uh, you know, so it's just a matter of taking the time to do it. So let's jump in and have a conversation with Steve. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing well, Mark. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Looking forward to having a chat with you. I wanted to uh, dive into this. You know, sometimes people think that getting together with an advisor or whatever, it's, you know, they're going to have to do all this extra work and they're going to have to rebuild everything and yada, yada, yada. And oftentimes little things just need little tweaks. And this is one of those where sometimes little tweaks can make a huge difference. So I want to cover these top five uh, beneficiary mistakes because many people just wind up doing this and it costs them or their loved ones you know, heartache and a pretty penny that they might not have to have spent, you know, or have to deal with. So um, let's start with a pretty simple one here, naming minors as beneficiaries. There's a, a little few loopholes to deal with when doing this. So it's something you want to definitely make sure you're talking with your advisor about. Well, definitely. When you, you name a minor as a beneficiary, they aren't able to execute anything. So there's going to have to be somebody who is a guardian uh, of those, those children to manage the money. And sometimes when that occurs, the people you've, you don't get to choose. Sometimes people don't have guardianship set up for their minor children. Right. All right. right. And the way you set that up is through a will, believe it or not. Just a, a, a simple will will dictate who the guardians of your children will be. And they will then be the ones who will manage the funds until the children turn majority age. Like in Kansas, it's 18. Once they turn 18, they turn the accounts over to the kids and the way they go. But but if you name minor children that way, understand that somebody else is going to manage the money and you better hope that the people that have cho- you've, you've chosen, or if you don't choose them, the court's going to choose them and you hope that they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something you got to definitely step into. And that, that leads me to number two, which is naming an alternate or not naming an alternate or a successor beneficiary. So like sometimes people will, if they only have an only child, for example, and they'll put their, their minor, well, while they are minor, they'll put that first one on there we talked about. Because the odds of both parents dying at the same time are pretty slim, but you need to have that there, Steve, because what if that did happen, right? Because like for me, you know, I've got my wife named and we only have the one kid. But I've made sure that the kid is the alternate, right? So people, a lot of people right. don't even go that extra step because, yeah, I mean, it's improbable, but it still can happen. So have an alternate. It definitely makes sense. You got to have a contingent on there. You don't want to leave it blank. If you leave it blank, it's going through probate. Yeah. Especially if you have minor children. Spend the $200, get a will, execute it, pick somebody you, you trust mm. to be the guardian of that the, your child or children, and then then you can leave the money to them. It'll be managed by somebody you trust for their benefit, because there are some fiduciary responsibilities that the guardians have to uh, abide by. And you don't want it happenstance that this money is going to just go out there. Worse is if you don't name, if you and your wife are named as primary beneficiaries and you don't have a secondary beneficiary, uh, even if you have a minor child, all that money is going to go through probate. And Mm. if it's an IRA, which is a bulk of most people's money. Right. 
going to have to be liquidated. All the tax is paid, and then it's still going to go into a guardianship for the child. Yeah, so, and that's all at one time, right? So there's no doing it incrementally, yeah. yeah. Nope, there's no 10-year rule on that. That whole thing is going to be liquidated and put into a guardianship account for that child, and then somebody's going to have to manage it. Yeah, there you go. So those first two are pretty easy fixes. Just, you know, put another name on there, right? So it's not that complicated to do, and it's an easy fix, and it saves a lot of heartache, to your point about the IRA. Uh, third one, coordinating or not coordinating the beneficiary designations with a will. You mentioned, hey, spend the money, get a will. But a lot of people will do this, and they some, we have this kind of old mindset around will, Steve, that uh, the everything we put in there is the gospel, right? And it's not. If the BD says that it's going to your ex-spouse and your will says it's going to your current spouse, guess what? <laughs> it's going to your ex-spouse. That's correct. The wills, first of all, if it's a retirement account, mm-hmm. it will not pass through your will and it will not uh, pass through probate court. It goes by beneficiary designation. Right. And the court has ruled that whoever's listed as the beneficiary is going to get the money, with the exception of 401k plans. Hmm. 401k plans, the default beneficiary is your spouse, whether you name them or not. Well, that's good. So there was a big case called the Kennedy case where the gentleman got you know divorced, didn't change his beneficiary designation. Mm-hmm. His ex-wife was still the beneficiary. And his daughter, who he wanted to have get the money, dad dies, money goes to Mm ex-wife. And they came down and said, whoever's listed is the beneficiary. And he wasn't remarried, by the way. Okay, okay. And and they came down and they said, nope, whoever's on the beneficiary designation at that time, and he's not married, goes to who who it is. Well, then the daughter sues the the mother. They go to court, and the Supreme Court is the one that ruled on it, came back and said, nope, whoever's listed is the beneficiary. Yeah. Again, as long as they're not married. That's who gets it. Well, that's good to know about the, you know, if you, if you did get remarried, but there are other types of accounts where that still would happen, right? If it was still the ex-spouse, then, and you, even if you are remarried, I believe you could still have yourself in a pickle, but either way, I, it's an easy fix, right? So just update these things, coordinate them. I heard someone, I think they're called the four, I think someone names, uh, I think they say that's like the four D's or whatever. So if you've got a death, a disability, God, what are the other ones? I'm having a heart. I'm drawing a blank here, Steve. But anytime you have one of these with a D, just redo it, right? Just go in, double check everything. You know, so oh, a, a divorce, right? So if you have a divorce, a death, a disability, or at least once a decade, update these things as your life changes. You do. And because they're they're very strict on it, whoever's the beneficiary listed, that gets the money. Yeah. Whether it's a retirement account or a life insurance policy or an annuity, mm-hmm. whoever the beneficiary is, that's who's getting it. And especially in divorce, yeah. that is a huge, huge issue. And if you're not careful, your your ex spouse can get a hold of some of your assets, and you didn't want that, right? Yeah. So you just and it's it doesn't cost you anything to right. change. It's either. It's, it's an easy fix. Yeah, exactly. So staying in that vein of the of the will conversation, let's go to the fourth one: naming an estate as a beneficiary. This can get a little messy as well, is my understanding. Yeah, it goes right through probate. If you name the estate, the estate's going to be administered by the probate. And so if you've got debts, right, they're going to they're going to liquefy that to satisfy those debts first versus something like a trust, that's, correct? That's correct. Okay. So they will do that. They will send it out. It'll be public. Everybody will know how much is in that uh, estate. They open it up to creditors and anybody can file a, saying, hey, you know, um, they said they were going to give me $50,000 if I came up with this product. Right. And they petition the probate court and they have you know, so 
it's time, delay, expense. It's unbelievable. You want nothing to go through probate. And so you have a conversation around, well, is a trust right for me? And people, and many people still have that kind of mindset of, well, trust is for the rich folks, right? That's for the Rockefellers and stuff. And that's just not the case. A trust can be very useful. It's not for everybody, but it could certainly be something worth having a conversation around. A trust work, it depends on where your assets are held. Mm-hmm. It depends. And I'm not a lawyer, so sure, you would need right. to talk with a lawyer. My dad's an estate planning attorney, so I know a lot about it. But you have to understand what a trust will do. A trust will hold on to assets and, and give it out based on what you dictate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's it's a very detailed map of where the money's going to go. Uh, people say, well, we're going to contest the trust. Well, good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you okay. can contest a, a will, but you you know you can contest a trust, but the chances of you doing anything with that trust is is very limited. For a lot of people, a trust works well for somebody who maybe has maybe in a second marriage, mm-hmm. they may have a child. You don't trust the marriage they're in and you don't want that child to get a hold of money and commingle it with the, the son or daughter in the law. You don't oh, okay. really trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a trust works. You just, it, it's by individual and you have to see it. It, uh, some attorneys will say you have to do everything in a trust. Yeah. Um, and they're and, not, but they're not as expensive or, or as people think they are, right? Some people, I think they used to think that they're just going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars. And that's usually not the case. No, they're going to cost you anywhere from three to 4,000. Yeah. And that, and when, when we talk that way, when you, when you do a trust, you're going to get a whole variety of other documents that are just as important. You will get what's called a pour over will. You'll get a trust. You get power of attorneys for healthcare and financial. So that's a whole estate plan that you get. So it's not just a, a standalone trust. Right. So all those are very important to have. And, but you also have to remember every, if the bulk of your money is in a retirement account, you got to be very careful about leaving it to a trust mm, okay? because of the new 10-year payout rule that oh, went right. into effect a couple of years ago. And so your trust has to specifically state you know, how that's going to be calculated, who's going to get it, and where's it going to go. So it, it can be a little bit more expensive that way to do it. But again, you have to look at your situation. If you have two grown children that are doing really well, you know, you don't want to rule from the grave. And you, I have a client who just says, look, I raised them right. If they blow it, they blow it. Right. You know, right. I'm dead. I'm six feet underground. If they blow it, they blow it. I don't, I'm not going to pay four grand to have a whole estate plan done. You know, that it comes to an individual on that. But yeah, definitely. And, and so this is the conversation of naming an estate, naming a trust, you know, na- whom you're naming, right? So just make sure that you're having those chats with, you know, an estate attorney. But and that, and again, like I said, some of these are easy fixes, right? Some of the just changing the names or updating, those are easy fixes. Something like this you want to get a little bit more knowledgeable on, but it may be worth the extra effort. I'll tell you one of the largest fixes that you can do mm-hmm. in your in your retirement, especially in your retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Or life insurance policy, anything that has a beneficiary designation, annuities, life insurance, retirement accounts. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have mom and dad and mom and dad have two children and the two children each have a grandchild. Okay. Okay. Pretty standard. Well, dad dies. Mom inherits his retirement account, right? Right. All right. And the, now her two children are 50, 50 beneficiaries. Follow me? Mm -hmm. So what happens if one of the child dies, then about a month later, mom dies, where does all that IRA money go that mom had from dad go? Well, you'd assume it's going to go to the surviving child. 
it will all go to the surviving child right. and the one grandchild of your daughter who died gets nothing. It's uh-huh. called unintentional disinheritance. Oh, okay. okay. So you can solve that very simply on the beneficiary form. Two words, per stirpes, P-E-R, then S-T-I-R-P-E-S, mm-hmm. per stirpes. And what that basically says is the daughter who died before mom, her share stays in her line. And then when mom dies, that share goes down to the grandchild. Gotcha. So it's a way not to unintentionally disinherit grandchildren. Interesting. So there you and, go. There's another one. Yeah. And it's, I think Schwab has it on their beneficiary form on IRAs. Do you want this per stirpes? And gotcha. you can just check it. You check the box and therefore now you've got per stirpes. Some don't have it. You just write it in. And that just ensures that the the surviving grandchild, because that's usually how it works, doesn't get disinherited. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. So there's five. I mean, that technically Steve gave us a bonus one. So my fifth one was actually a pretty easy one as well. And it was just kind of just finally just double check the errors for uh, the application for errors. Right. Make sure you've got the right, you know, the right spelling, the right social security numbers, you know, just again, simple fixes that you could do that don't wind up making something invalid when it's too late. Or a hassle to them when when something happens. Right. They could probably fix that, but they got to jump through some hoops. They do. You know, they got to start, you know, supplying death, birth certificates, marriage certificates, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the other part is you got to remember when these these applications go in they're a lot of times they're hand inputted. So mm-hmm. there could be a transposition of a number or numbers right. or something like that. So it yeah. never hurts to just double check. There Trust, but verify, but double check. There you go. All right. So there is five plus a bonus one from Steve with the purse derpies there. Uh, conversation around beneficiary mistakes. Fairly easy to fix most of these. Just take the time to do it. You know, update these things fairly often. Again, if you've got a divorce or a death or a disability, you know, just up it, double check them, update them, put, make sure the right people are on. If you've got a son-in-law you want to kick off of there, whatever the case might be, just make sure you update these. And of course, talking with your advisor, bringing that stuff up, uh, well, they'll, they should remind you of these things, but it's something you want to have a conversation around. And many of them uh, obviously have partnerships or work with estate planning attorneys to help you on that side should you get more more complicated. So with that said, Steve, anything else before we go? Uh, you got anything else you want to share this week or uh, any um, email or white paper we got? The only white paper I have out that is very topical still is on inflation. Yep. Uh, even though inflation is moderating down, it is still very, very high. Yeah. And um, the assumption is that the gas prices are starting to climb and that is going to refuel some of the inflation that we saw earlier, you know, mid part of last year. So yeah, I have a white paper on inflation. Be happy to send anybody that. Okay. All you got to do is shoot Steve an email if you want to get a copy of it. Steve H at wealthpartnerscorp.com. That's Steve H at wealthpartnerscorp.com. And of course, you can always just call him as well, 913-685-3207. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, The Retirement Pilot, on whatever podcasting app you like to use. You can find it on the different apps by typing in the search box or just go to Steve's website for some tools, tips, resources, and help at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Steve, thanks for hanging out, buddy. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks, Mark. We'll catch you next time here on The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.